The mark of the beast was sprinkled over his linen. He wore snaffle sleeve links, a hard hunting hat, a new market coat, and extremely tight trousers. And with all this, he fell as far short of the genuine sportsman as any stage super who ever wore his spurs upside down in a hunting chorus. His expression was mild and inoffensive, and his watery, pale eyes and receding chin gave one the idea that he was hardly to be trusted astride anything more spirited than a golden headed cane. And yet, Somehow he aroused compassion rather than any sense of the ludicrous. He had the look of shrinking self effacement which comes of a recent humiliation, and in spite of all extravagances, he was obviously a gentleman, while something in his manner indicated that his natural tendency would, once at all events, have been to avoid any kind of extremes. He puzzled and interested me so much that I did my best to enter into conversation with him, only to be baffled by the jerky embarrassment with which he met all advances. And when we got out at Escher, curiosity led me to keep him still in view. Evidently, he had not come with any intention of making money. He avoided the grandstand with the bookmakers huddled in couples like horse lovebirds. He kept away from the members' enclosure where the guards' band was endeavouring to defy the elements which emptied their vials into the brazen instruments. He drifted listlessly about the course, till the clearing bell rang, and it seemed to me as if he was searching for someone whom he wished to discover in order to avoid. Sandown, it must be admitted, was not as gay as usual that day, with its deluged park and unsummered sky, its waterproof toilettes and massed umbrellas whose sides gleamed livid as they caught the light. But there was a general determination to ignore the unseasonable dampness as far as possible, and an excitement over the main event of the day which no downpour could quench. The ten thousand was run. Ladies with marvellously confected bonnets lowered their umbrellas without a murmur, and smart men on drag shook hands effusively, as amidst a frantic roar of delight, Bendigo strode past the post. The moment after, I looked round for my incongruous stranger and saw him, engaged in a well-meant attempt to press a current bun upon a carriage-horse tethered to one of the trees, a feat of abstraction which at such a time was only surpassed by that of Archimedes at the sack of Syracuse. After that, I could no longer control my curiosity. I felt I must speak to him again, and I made an opportunity later, as we stood alone on a stand which commanded the finish of one of the shorter courses, by suggesting that he should share my umbrella. Before accepting, he glanced suspiciously at me through the rills that streamed from his unprotected hat-brim. I'm afraid... I said, it is rather like shutting the stable door after the steed is stolen. He started. He was stolen then, he cried. So you have heard. I explained to him that I had only used an old proverb which I thought might appeal to him, and he sighed heavily. 
I was misled for the moment, he said. You have guessed then that I have been accustomed to horses. You have hardly made any great secret of it. The fact is, he said, instantly under.